Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 11 of Stick to Football. I'm Matt Miller, joined as always by Connor Rogers, who has become the utility knife of Bleacher Report, man. You do everything now. It's it's amazing watching you disappear for days at a time and then pop back up and then disappear and then pop back up. So hopefully uh, (laughs) it's true. It's 100% true. Hopefully you're caffeinated and ready for the show. I am. It's a long one today, buddy. Uh, We have Tony Jefferson, the new safety for the Baltimore Ravens. We're going to talk to him about uh, his time at Oklahoma. Uh, We're going to talk to him about which quarterback he's looking forward to picking off most. We're also going to run him through the gauntlet, uh, which is we started that last week. Every guest, we ask the same five questions, too. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We also asked for draft on draft questions this week, and you guys sent, no joke, about 20 questions that we want to answer. So this week's show is going to be draft on draft heavy, um, it, it, which is fun. Uh, we're almost to the holiday, uh, so we're going to have some fun this week. We're just going to talk to you guys uh, about what you've been asking us. We are briefly going to talk about the top offensive linemen for the 2018 draft. We're not going to get too deep there because O-line talk is just not real sexy on a podcast and Connor, I also know that I saw on Twitter anyway. I don't know because I didn't get any, but you are swimming in hot dogs right now and a little bit of mustard as well. That's right. Hebrew National, uh, after completely dissing me and, and telling me about proper <laughs> condiment etiquette on Twitter, came through and sent the Bleacher Report New York City office a healthy amount, or I don't know if I should say healthy amount, but a nice amount of hot dogs for the office. Uh, we're going to have to find a way to cook them in here. So everybody can get in on the action. Don't worry, Matt. I'm going to save the mustard for you for when you visit the office because I doubt anyone will touch that in I was the next say, two months. I've seen how free stuff gets devoured in that office. It's insane. There will be nothing left. Someone will. They be, might be gone when I come back out yeah. of the, the audio room. Some today. savage will be there microwaving hot dogs. <laughs> Somebody said that today, and I was like, no, you don't microwave hot dogs. You can't. I, I've seen it done. And oh, I have terrifying. I have children. And, you know, when you're in a pinch and you're just like, guys, we need some lunch. Uh, no, turn on the grill. Treat your children right. Microwaved meat is a terrible idea. Um, and I eat some questionable shit, but I'm not microwaving a hot dog. There's no way. Um, yeah. So the big news in the NFL this week, and this will just tell you how slow it is right now. The NFL Top 100 came out this week. And we're going to kick things off again with with draft on draft at the top and bottom of the show this week, guys. So you're going to get a lot of it. But our guy Hunter Neal asked, who would our top 10 players be uh, if we were to do an NFL top 100? And I have to be honest, I don't know. Is it the top 100 players for next year? Is it the top 100 players from last season? I don't because they kind of so, throw it out here in the middle. So which way does okay, it go? Okay, so NFL Network labels it as who are the top 100 players in the NFL today. So right okay. now, if you're putting together a team, so really, I mean, of course, last year's performance has a lot to do with it, but it's right in the middle. I mean, I never agree with this. Maybe that's the point is that they find a way for to give us something to talk about in June with the NFL, which is remarkable. But I mean, first off, with the top 10, there's a couple things here. One, I'm not even sure if Tom Brady. I listen, Tom. I don't even know if I want to get into this right now. Tom Brady's amazing. Uh oh. If you, you were about? taking you're about to say something crazy, aren't you? It, no. If you were taking a quarterback today, and you're not getting the Patriots staff with him today, listen. Maybe ten years ago, different scenario. Today, would you take Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? That's the question I have for you. I would take Tom Brady. Okay, I would take Aaron Rodgers. I I think this goes to like the heart of evaluation, though. Aaron Rodgers skills are better than Tom Brady's. But I think Tom Brady is smarter, more experienced, um, more, I hate this word, more clutch. And I mean, he only threw two picks last year. So. Yeah, he's. In, it's not a, I have a if, problem with right. Tom Brady thing. It's a age thing. If I was betting on one player going into the season with nothing else, I'm, I don't get Bill Belichick. I don't get the Patriots system. I don't get, you know what I mean? Because of course, Tom Brady with the Patriots, it's the, it's the greatest combo in NFL history. But once again... Just from a player standpoint, I don't even think that's the the most the sexiest thing uh, to talk about on this list. The weird thing to me is Ezekiel Elliott, who listen, he was my number two player in that class. I love that he look. It looks like you know, it looks like we were right. Yeah. He's number seven on this list of the top one hundred players in the NFL, ahead of Le'Veon Bell, ahead of Odell Beckham. That's the gripe that I really have. You can't put him ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. 
No, and so I actually made a top ten. Did you did you make one? No. I've okay. just been ripping apart their list so like the I worst person one. that I am without making my own. <laughs> and I agree with you. so I went at OBJ at ten. Okay. Derek Carr at number nine. Okay. I think he was tremendous last year. Even yes, he got hurt late, but he was great. I went Aaron Rodgers at eight. I, I love Aaron Rodgers. Um eight is probably a little low. And and I tried to do it regardless of position. So looking at it that way. Antonio Brown at seven. Khalil Mack at six, Von Miller at five, Julio Jones at four, Aaron Donald at three. I think Aaron Donald's the I best love defender in football. Best. That's the biggest gripe on this list. Aaron yeah. Donald's 15th. He was 14th last year. What? He's a top five player in the NFL. Yeah. And it's not even like disputable. No. At all. Quickest, most productive, most disruptive. And then I went Matt Ryan to Tom Brady one. I, I think okay. Matt Ryan was tremendous last year. And you can say Julio Jones had a lot to do with that. I put Julio at four, so I'm giving him credit as well. But that would be my top ten. Um, and looking at, you know, listen, I don't. I used to do the NFL 1,000 for several years for Bleacher Report, and, and I, you know, put out a list of top thousand players every year. I'm more draft focused now, so I'm not. I'm not breaking down as much NFL film as I used to. But I'm watching as many games as I can every week. Watched every snap of the playoffs. Those are the the guys who stood out to me last year. And and listen, Ezekiel Elliott, like you said. They had him at number seven. I would probably put him in the top 15, but I think Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson have legitimate arguments about being as good or better running backs. And, you know, last two weeks ago, I wrote about this. Who's the best running back in the NFL? Almost every scout I asked said it was Le'Veon Bell, not Ezekiel Elliott. So I think it's interesting. And we're going to ask Tony Jefferson if he voted, how he feels about this list. But it, it it is something that definitely stirs up controversy every year. Yeah, and I hope people keep sending their angry NFL 1000 tweets at you, even though you don't run the project anymore. That's one of my favorite things yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, and that I did, listen, I did not screw up the Lions organization with those three wide receiver drafts. <laughs> my name ends in an R, not an N. I know we you were the like, worst GM ever. That's I, some of the best stuff, too. I, the I, Chiefs have an opening. Let me prove myself. I also think with this list that me and you look at this so differently because we look at it from, you know, how important is the position. We look at it from a draft standpoint. So when I look at this list, I'm like, man, Patrick Peterson is 19th on this list. If I was building a team, oh, I mean, he'd be early. he'd be top seven or eight players on my big board in the NFL yeah. if I was doing a fantasy draft for the NFL just because of what he's asked to do. Listen, he's a lockdown number one corner. There's probably four or five of those in the entire NFL. Yeah, you wouldn't take a running back or receiver. In the top no. 10, if you were doing it from a let me build a team, which is something we no. need to do that next summer when it's slow and we don't have anything to talk about. Build an entire team. I can make the argument. Draft. I can make the argument that Odell Beckham Jr. is a, is a game changing special player at 24 years old, three seasons of well over 1,200 yards, double digit yeah. touchdowns, speed helps his quarterback. But we'll save that for another day. We got a ton of questions to go through. The, the top 100 is always a super hot topic and we can talk about it all day, but you know, we'll keep it moving to the more important stuff. This one from Ryan day. What's your favorite cheap beer? I, this is such an easy answer for me, for me. I mean, there's different tiers of cheap beer, but the obvious one for me is PBR. I'll still enjoy PBR and have no problem with it. I say all beer in Missouri is cheap. That's (laughs) true. Um, but my fit, like I just went golfing the other day and I mean, we got an 18 pack of Coors Light. Uh, it's hard to beat that on a hot day um, because as long as it's cold, it, it all kind of starts to taste the same. So I, I will still, you know, happily drink some Coors Light. See, in New York, I, I feel like a Coors Light at some places would be like five, six, seven bucks still. Where yeah, I, it doesn't I, even fall into the cheap category for me. While PBR is in like the three dollar range. I think we got an eighteen pack for under twenty bucks. Of course he did. Oh yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that's pretty cheap in my opinion. If Modelo is a, is considered a cheap beer, I had someone say that to me the other day. I didn't even know it's technically a cheap beer. I, that's number one for me, too. Yeah, that's, that's a great a good one. Um, a great I actually beer. was gifted a six-pack of Corona, and like I was, oh, quick, cool. I'm not a huge Corona fan, but I'll, that's another one that, you know, listen, if somebody hands me a beer, I'm going to drink it. I, I really say you're going to drink it. You're going to be like, oh, no, thank you. Because I'm a, like, no one does that. I'm a human being. Um, yeah, Coors Light's still the top of my list. All right, this next one from John Blair. What do you look for when evaluating a quarterback, and how do you evaluate those traits? I think some of the best advice that was ever given to me when starting with quarterback evaluation is look at their base right away. How do they use their base? Do they use their base at all? Obviously, just there's so many different layers to evaluating a quarterback. I will start it like this. 
I would say now there's a threshold, but don't get caught up entirely in arm strength because that's something that can improve over time. Now there's a threshold. Some guys don't have enough arm to make it in the league. It's as simple as that. But it, it's something that can improve. When you're looking at a guy, you know, how does he set his feet? Does he throw with his base? Can he go through things fast enough? There's so many layers to the quarterback position. I mean, you can go on all day about it, but those are some of the most important to me personally. I think one thing for me that I learned early on was that so much of what I look for in quarterbacks is something you can't look for on film. Like you just said, there's there's a threshold to everything. Height, yes. weight, yes. arm strength, mobility. It's the stuff between the ears that you can't measure that really matters most. And one thing that I've become obsessed with when it comes to quarterbacks is I want someone who's been through something, some adversity, whether they were – uh, you know, not recruited out of high school or they had an injury that they had to overcome or you know, something to where they've shown their toughness and their work ethic and their drive. That's pretty important to me. Multi-sport athletes. I also am, am, you know, really starting to fall in love with players who are just good athletes outside of being a quarterback. You know, I want someone like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, who was a good athlete. You know, Tom Brady was a great catcher. Um, yeah. I mean, Mahomes this year is an example. Yeah. He was a good baseball player. So Dad was a professional. I, I do tend to look more at that. Um, and, you know, stats are great. I, I always feel like you have to have a lot of context with things like that. So, you know, it's still a height, weight, speed league, the NFL is. So, you know, arm strength, you know, we just saw Pat Mahomes get drafted pretty early because of arm strength. We're going to see Josh Allen get drafted pretty early because of arm strength. But it's also the stuff that you, you know, the intellect, the work ethic, the you know, character. Those are the things that I will, on a quarterback, I that will influence my grade more than for any other position. Yeah, and you can go through every single trait you look for and ha- and how you evaluate the quarterback position, but at the end of the day, some of the hardest factors for guys like Matt and I, and Matt talks to more people than me, so sometimes you can narrow it down depending who you know and who you don't, but is you know what's between the ears. The, the mental makeup for a quarterback is so, so important, and sometimes you can't get – I mean, look at Johnny Manziel. Right. The, the Browns weren't the only team that was going to take Manziel in the first round. So, no, and no. so, yeah, and some te- other team, if it wasn't the Browns, somebody else would have got fooled. And there's a million examples like that. So there, and there's outliers too. Sometimes things do work out. I so, do love this next question uh, to, to completely spin in a different direction. These are not <laughs> sorted football and non-football, by the way. I we're, broke we're them up bugging. purposely. Yeah. <laughs> the question dividing America, and it has nothing to do with healthcare or travel bans, pineapple on pizza, abomination or awesome. Oh, it's a disaster. No. It's an, it's an embarrassment to this country. I don't know how you and I have ever eaten in the same restaurant. Because, uh, because we, we go out and we eat steak together. That's it. Keep it simple. Yeah, I love pineapple on pizza. Like pineapple, oh my God, pineapple pepperoni, and black olive on pizza. Oh, Man. it's so solid. People keep doing these things to pizza to save it from being bad pizza. <laughs> but they just make it worse. Like I am a pizza snob. I'm from New York. I live in New Jersey. And listen, Tri-State, we have the best pizza. I'm sorry, everyone. You do. No, you really we do. do. We have the best. Just give it to us. Like, I, <laughs> that's one thing. But stop putting stupid things on. And now people do it to troll the internet. Like, I, I see the most ridiculous kinds of pizzas. Pineapple on pizza, you, you know, the, actually, Austin D., who asked this question, phrased it, abomination or awesome. It's, it's an abomination. I'm Matt, we got to get you off that. You can't be. We can't be hanging out and you know behind my back. You're eating pineapple pizza. <laughs> I'll put. You're better all, than that. I'll put almost anything on pizza though. Like when you peppers, come out here though, you onions, don't. Mushrooms. You don't need to. No, you don't need to there. See, Jeez. okay, done. Oh, here, man. you need to load it up. I I absolutely love this next question because it's combined. It's literally our brand just meshed into one melting pot from Jesse Lokes. If Rosen, Allen, and Darnold were a beer, what beer would they be? Oh, my God. That's beautiful. It's a, it's just an absolutely brilliant question. And I have, like, beers that automatically came to mind for each guy. So I'm just going to go instinct here, and hopefully I can explain it. Um, for Josh Rosen, I immediately thought of Guinness because I think it's – people are going to love it or, or hate it. It's kind of polarizing. That's, um, that's pretty fair. Sam Darnold, Pacifico. It's just, like, easygoing, smooth, underrated, very clutch – and this this one's like a local, so maybe not everybody listening will understand it. But Josh Allen, I went Tank 7 because okay. it, it's underrated. Not everyone's talking about it, but 
it is like one of my favorite things to drink. It's also strong as hell, and as is his arm. So that that works better than I originally thought. I that might be the best one. I love that question. Uh, for me, Rosen is delirium because <laughs> like the first time you ever watch Rosen or the first time you ever sip a delirium, you're like, this is delicious. This is the perfect beer for Rosen. It's like, man, this person was born to play quarterback, just a natural thrower. And then you have too many of them and you start like Rosen's personality has kind of worn people the wrong way. But man, it's so good. But you know, once you get past a certain limit, God, it's the most wicked hangover ever. So it, Rosen, it's like the more you're around him, it sounds like people start to be like, okay, this, I don't know about this guy, but uh, with Darnold, Darnold is just it's your it's your old reliable Coors Light. I mean, Darnold oh, is yeah. the type of guy. It sounds like when you get into the huddle with the game on the line, it's just the go-to safe player. My thing with Darnold is, I think he's going to be one of the. I think number one, like you said, we hate saying it, but he's got the clutch factor. He's a leader. He's not, like, the most glamorous watch, and that's why I went with Coors Light. Like, this isn't, like, you know, he's not going to go out there and you're going to be, like, you're looking for an Aaron Rodgers or even, you know, Philip Rivers-level thrower or anything, but I think he has the potential to be that top 15 quarterback just because of all the intangibles, and he has enough talent. That's not the problem. Josh Allen's the one, man. I don't know. I don't know what we're getting because he's got everything. And he didn't have a you know fantastic year last year when you look at just from a pro perspective. In college, what he did at Wyoming is super impressive. But he's got to get the completion percentage up and all that stuff. So I have no idea if Josh Allen's going to turn into expensive wine that everybody wants at number one overall pick or if he's going to be the PBR next year where it's like, man, I guess. I guess I'll have one. It's three bucks, round three. No, nah, I'm just kidding. He's going to go higher than that. I'm just kidding, everyone. <laughs> it's like a skunked I, beer you really don't know what you're gonna get when you open yeah, it yeah he's right okay. he's right in the middle there so next one i can't wait to hear your answer on this because this is pinning up somebody who was your number one quarterback and it was mine as well and we we don't know what we're gonna get this year from him this one's from keon monroe would you take jared goff over any of the three top quarterbacks coming out oh wow it's That's fascinating because we don't have enough info. Like, right. how is Goff going to look under McVay? What steps is Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and Josh Rosen going to take this year? Yeah, so now, I, think, I know my answer as much as it's risky to even answer this question right now. If if you go off the grade that I gave Jared Goff a year ago, he's probably going to be higher than those three quarterbacks, would be my, would be my guess. See, I'll bet but, against you on that. You think he'll end up, someone I bet, will end up higher? I bet Darnold and Rosen get a higher grade from you when all is said and done. I could, I, yeah, it's, it's certainly possible. It's, it's so hard to say. When people ask this question, I feel like they want us to use a year's knowledge to adjust the ranking. Yeah, you know? which you're not doing. No. So I had Jared Goff at a 7.40, which is pretty high. That is. It's a good grade. Um, higher than any quarterback I had graded this year. So, yeah, I mean— Seven five zero would be pretty high. That's up there with like Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. So you're right; it is possible. It is it is pretty possible. As as much as I like these quarterbacks, as much as I like Josh Allen, um, it, I can see it happening. Yeah, I would take him. I would take Goff over Allen right now because I keep going back to this. And listen, we had Josh Allen on the podcast before. We love him. I love what he can be. Right now, I'm just not sold. And I liked Goff coming out. I did. I think he was number seven or eight on my big board that year. And listen, not a, a horrible rookie year in a horrible situation. Let's not pretend that it wasn't a disastrous situation. Right. I think McVay's the guy that turns him around. And I'm not expecting him to be a top five quarterback by any stretch of means, but I think they're going to get an adequate starter there. But man, I love what Rosen and Darnold could be. So just to answer the, you know, give a stern answer on that. Maybe I'll be wrong. We'll see what they have this year. I do year. think that the three guys, the three that we're talking about for this year, transcend scheme a little bit. And I uh, even then felt like Jared Goff's you know, s- smaller hands, lack of arm strength makes yes. him more of a scheme-specific quarterback, which can be fine. Uh, but I think the three guys have just athletic potential that's so much higher than his. No doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. The upside is way higher for them. But... Uh, we'll take a break from you know from draft on draft, and we'll get into this offensive line talk a little bit. We got five guys highlighted for you this summer. You know we're not going to go through 20, 25 guys. You know we'll round out the position groups here, and we're going to take it from the top. And if you guys have been listening, Matt's been talking about this guy for a year now. Matt had a report last fall that 
this guy could be the next Joe Thomas. And that's, that's what you know, I was Con- say. Connor Williams from Texas. You had that insider report that uh, was it a G was it an executive or was it a area scout? I, you know, I honestly don't remember. Um, it was a long so time ago. It was a long this time is, ago. I mean, he might have weighed like 285 when you did this report. And now he's at least, what, 310? I, I think Connor he's Williams? probably between 305 and 310 right now. But the thing, and look up his Instagram page. He looks like a linebacker. There's no, there's no belly on this kid. There's no flab. He is just an athlete. And I actually retweeted it the other day. His, him just doing some, I think it was power cleaning. I, he's he's just a, a physical freak, and he's also a great kid. Uh, he'll be a junior this year, has started uh, every year at Texas. I don't see any way that he stays two more years. Uh, he is a top five player, in my opinion, and one of the not only just athletic, but technically smart offensive linemen we've seen in a long time. You know what? And this is like, I don't know how important this is to NFL teams or how important it is to you. But there's something to be said about guys that go to programs that are really, I don't want to say building from scratch because it's Texas, but trying to turn things around. And Williams is one of those guys that came in and started and went to Texas when not everything was great at Texas. And, you know, they finally returned things around. I think you have to be, you have to have a different mindset to do that. You're not just going to be like, hey, I'll, I'll go to a proven program right now that's rock solid and is going to be competing for a national title. Like, it, it, to me, it's the same thing as Saquon Barkley going to Penn State. Yeah. Saquon Barkley was a top recruit, and he, and he went to Penn State. He could have went elsewhere. So I just think it says something about their mindset. It's just another reason to really like him. And you're right. He looks like an athlete. He doesn't look like a, a sloppy, fat offensive lineman. No, athletically, so, he looks like Kyle Long. Yes, the same look. And listen, you've talked about him a lot. And now we're gonna we're gonna turn it to what was once my Notre Dame team growing up. I, I really don't have much allegiance left in me, but this duo of Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson, who both returned to school, McGlinchey might have been the top tackle taken in this year's draft. Yeah, these two are so strong and nasty and play mean. I think McGlinchey's pretty refined, and you see some of these clips people are posting of Quentin Nelson from last year. And he's just, he's mean, nasty. He's a mauler. He gets up to the second level and just puts people on their ass. And I think this class is highlighted by these three guys right here, with Williams being at the top, the most upside at tackle. But I think McGlinchey, I w- I'm willing to call McGlinchey around one lock right now. That's how yeah, I, confident I, I, I am. That's not crazy. And also, let's talk about how well-coached Notre Dame offensive linemen are coming out, whether it's Look the, at the history, brothers, Ronnie Stanley. They do go very high. So... I see McGlinchey because of the length, because of the toughness, because of the the pedigree and the coaching. I mean, he's six seven three fifteen, and gets off the ball well. So I do think he's around one lot. Quentin Nelson, I had a round two grade on last year when he decided to come back. Um, you know, playing offensive guard, it used to be that you weren't going to be a top fifteen pick. That has yep. changed over the past few years. So Quentin Nelson is a a power guy in the run game. You know, three hundred thirty pounds, six foot five. Um, you know, played as a, a freshman, uh, um, or excuse me, a, a sophomore, got right on to a very good offensive line and was just mauling people. So I've seen him progress so much since week one, sophomore year, to where he was at, at the end of the year last year. And like you were just saying about Connor Williams, you go to Texas and you try to help build something. It says a lot to me that Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson stayed at Notre Dame. They could have gone to the NFL and been top 50 picks, but they went back to school. They're trying to help a program that is trying to turn the corner. So I think that speaks volumes about who they are as men, and that is something the NFL teams are going to like. Yeah, no doubt. When you look at the ceilings for these guys, listen, we know Williams has top 10 pick potential. McGlinchey, top 10, 15 pick potential. And then you look at Quentin Nelson, like you said, Matt, like, you know, it's not always easiest to be to be a guard and get drafted in the first round, but Nelson has the type of potential to be that the Josh Garnett of this upcoming class where it's like, some team trades back in around one because they're like, we love the player. We know what we're getting. You know, it's just a solid, nasty player in the trenches. And that's what Garnett was when the Niners moved back up for him. And maybe that's what Nelson will be next year. And, you know, we got two guys on this list. I haven't watched much of Mitch Hyatt. Uh, I've definitely seen enough of Orlando Brown Jr., who obviously his dad played. He started He's enormous. He's oh gigantic. God. I mean, he gets the same nickname as his dad, but the Zeus nickname, which is yeah. fantastic. Orlando Brown is six foot eight. When he was in high school, he was 400 pounds. 
And now, and that's why you look at it, it's like, man, why was he only, I, I say only, it's still something to be proud of. He was a three-star recruit. And he, you look at him, he goes to Oklahoma, he's down to 360, he's been a two-year starter now, he was all Big 12 last year, he allowed one sack, and you're like, man, it's one of those things where you're starting to scratch at the surface here of what this guy could be when you're that big and you're only getting in better shape and you're getting that much better each year. It's yep. pretty impressive. I think it'll be similar to some of those USC guys last year uh, where we looked at them and said, okay, are they too big? You know, can yeah. they can they handle this weight? Because that was an issue when you looked back last year at uh, Zach Banner, Chad Wheeler, Damian Mama, like all those guys. I mean, that was a, a red flag for them. So I think with Orlando Brown, you can be too big and you need to show functional athleticism. So that will be a question for him. The other guy that we have to highlight is Mitch Hyatt from Clemson. Um, if you if you go back and watch that offense last year, you know there was a ton of talent there. This year, it'll be Mitch Hyatt and Deion Kane, the wide receiver who we talked about last week. Uh, he's a, maybe a little bit of a sleeper right now, but I do see him being someone who could get into that round one conversation just because of athleticism. Um, you know the the need for good offensive tackles in the NFL and um, someone who was, if I remember correctly. Uh, I'm going off my notes here. He was a very good high school basketball player as well. So you know there's going to be that athleticism to his game. Yeah, and I, and that's kind of the direction it's the league has seemed to move in. Now, I wouldn't I'm not going to say it's always worked out. It, it, you know, for the Bengals right now, they had two athletic guys and who knows if it's going to work out for them in the long yeah. run. You know, and it's a lot of it is just these types of players need to be developed and I think that's why you're going to see so many teams fall in love with a guy like McGlinchey that just has so much experience and, you know, is ref- like I said, refined. And Williams, too, has been starting for a while and can only get better. So, listen, the offensive line class is going to bounce back this year. It was a nightmare in the 2017 draft. I mean, even the guys that were taken at the top, I still felt they were, you know, overdrafted. Even Bowles, who went 20th overall, correct? I believe. Yeah. I mean, he snuck into that top 25. But you would say this is going to be a bounce back year for the offensive line, yeah, right, Matt? it should be. Yeah, just based on – I mean, I feel good about saying Williams, McGlinchey, and, and maybe one other uh, yep. could end up in the first round. Which is enough. It absolutely is. All right, we're going to take a break. Tony Jefferson is coming on. We have a lot to talk about with Tony, especially this very suspect NFL top 100 that maybe <laughs> he voted on. So we'll be back after this. Welcome back to Stick to Football, and we are very happy to have our guest on this week. That is Tony Jefferson, now of the Baltimore Ravens. Tony, with that fresh new contract this offseason, going into a new secondary that's looking very good. First off, Tony, though, besides your new landing spot, we have to ask you, because it's a hot topic in the NFL right now, did you vote on the NFL Network's top 100 players this (laughs) offseason? Yeah, I did. Okay. um, I thought that how they formulate those votes, but it's just, it's hard to believe that we all do that. Those, those votes accumulate from us. I mean, I don't, we're allowed to pick like, I think like 20 players and I don't see that many people just putting, you know, linemen down and, and all that stuff. So I don't know how they formulate that, but it's kind of weird. See, and I'm surprised because I've always heard people talk about players talk about, man, I didn't even vote. Like how are the, you know, how's Matt Ryan number 10. And when he was MVP and you hear guys, and especially you mentioned linemen. A lot of my friends who are linemen always say, like, man, we didn't vote for this stuff. It would be all offensive linemen if we voted. Yeah. So, um, it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, and I'm sure you're putting yourself way, way up on that list. Everyone has to. Um, cause it's, it's not very, oh, yeah. not very honest and biased, but you are on a new team now. Um, and one thing we have to talk to you about is we looked at your schedule. I don't know if you've peeked ahead to look at who you play this year. You play some pretty damn good quarterbacks this year. You, it, Roethlisberger twice, obviously. Uh, Derek Carr. You got Aaron Rodgers. You got Andrew Luck. Um, you've got Andy Dalton twice. Who's the one guy that you want to pick off the most, though? I mean, you have all these great. You know, some of these quarterbacks are going to the Hall of Fame. Who's that one that you want to get an INT from? Uh, all of them. I want to <laughs> pick off every quarterback I play. To be honest, I've been in Arizona for for four years. I, I, I dropped a few. Um, I, I plan to make up one. On, on my lack of uh, interceptions uh, this year. So uh, uh, I plan on picking off 
as many as I can, and I hopefully get one from each and break a record or something. <laughs> there you go. Uh, speaking of those quarterbacks, you know, we're seeing them get monster contracts, you know, offseason after offseason. Derek Carr just got a $125 million contract. When you see the quarterback extensions, you know, as a defensive back, how does that make you feel? Do you feel that it's getting ridiculous that they're consistently overpaid? Because whenever a new one comes, it's they're the new highest paid player in the NFL. Or, you know, are you happy for them? Or, I mean, it's got to feel a little different sitting from afar and being like, well, I feel like I do just as much for my team. Why aren't, you know, secondary players getting paid anywhere near the same amount? So, yeah, I mean, quarterbacks are quarterbacks. They're the guys who who control the ball every play. They have the ball in their hands every play. Um, they're putting up points, and you, you score in points, and that's what everybody wants to see. Um, you know, fans uh, fans want to see is, is points scored, and they're the guys who, who, who do that. So, obviously, they're going to be the ones getting a lot of money, and I'm not I'm not mad at all about it. I mean, I, I get happy to see anybody who gets paid and, Derek Carr, obviously, he just broke the bank. But do I think that defensive backs, or I mean, corners get paid a lot too, but all corners do is listen to what the safeties tell them to do. So I feel like the safeties <laughs> should be getting paid higher than corners. But, I mean, that's that's just how it is. I mean, like I said, safeties are the, are the quarterbacks of defense because we can see everything outside of the backers who tend to make the calls. But really, it's the safeties back there who, who do all that, but I'm not complaining. I'm happy for anybody who gets, who gets paid. I want everybody to get paid. Uh, hopefully one day with our new CBA, everybody has guaranteed contracts and, and you know, the salary caps keep, keeps going up. Everyone gets paid. So you did just get a, a very nice contract and it's, it's something that, you know, I've been following your career since you were at Oklahoma and my Longhorns were whipping up on you, but you were undrafted. Coming three, out. Three, three and zero against the Longhorns. Let's put I, that out there. I, I remember. I remember the, the tides turning there, but I have to ask you, man, you went, you were undrafted and the coach when you were at Oklahoma just retired unexpectedly. So what was your relationship like with coach Stoops? Were you surprised when he retired? Like, so, you know, once you're away from college, a lot of guys always say, like, they're not as connected to it anymore. But what was that like for you? That's kind of a big question. But, like, going undrafted and you've got the the coaching staff there at Oklahoma and how supportive they were or weren't of you. And then now to see Stoops back out and, and you got a, you know, 33-year-old guy running the show. Yeah, I was a little surprised. Um, obviously, Coach Stoops has been there for 18 years. Got a national championship on his hand as well. Yeah, I was surprised. I, I didn't see that coming at all but you know maybe he, he was just done with it and wanted to move on and wanted to I mean I know his kids are going off to college they're very talented as well so sometimes that just happens um but I know Lincoln Riley I've heard nothing but good things about him I'm actually gonna probably try and go to one of their games this year you see all the renovations that they're doing to the uh, school and for the football program is really good uh, I, I think it's killing Texas so um <laughs> long as uh you know, there's there's they're still supportive of, of all their players, and uh, you got to appreciate that. So, as Matt said, obviously you you went undrafted coming out of Oklahoma, and now you're one of the top safeties in the league. You got a huge contract this offseason. You know, there were a lot of teams reported to be interested in you. What you know, going through all of that, what would you tell a player in camp next to you? And there'll be plenty of them that were undrafted free agents. What would you tell them is the most important piece of advice? What advice could you give them, and what motivated you and got you that far? Uh, one, you just got to stay in your, stay in your playbook. The thing that, that gets a lot of the undrafted guys is they think they can do what the drafted players can do. And, um, you can't, you have to kind of separate yourself because you're not the same. You're not going to get as many reps as the draft players do. You're, and when you do get your opportunity, you, you have to make something happen. You can't just go in there and say, Oh, I did my job. Nobody scored on me. Nobody did that. You can't do that. You have to make plays. You have to stand out you have to stick out you have to be give them a reason to make it hard for them not to keep you so i want to ask you one more oklahoma question because i am um i mean we we have a little rivalry you and i because of the texas ou thing i still love you but it's there so your guy baker mayfield (laughs) uh what you know heisman candidate last year almost got it done how good can they be this year i mean you know mixon and p ryan are gone out of the backfield dd has gone at wide receiver. So a lot of, a lot of guys are going on offense, but how do you feel that the 2017 Sooners are going to do? 
the loss of those guys actually, I feel like is going to hurt a little bit, but they do got, they did do an excellent job of recruiting. Um, I think offensively they're going to be fine. Um, I'm a little, I, I'm not worried, but I'm a little concerned defensively um, with, 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 I, I haven't really looked too much, but I know, um, like I said, offensively they'll be fine. I got a, I can't really comment too much on defensively because I haven't really looked at that without any of the players left. But um, I feel like they'll be in good shape. Uh, we got to change up the scheme sometimes on defense. You can't keep running the same plays. Um, we can't keep getting in shootouts every every week. So hopefully we can tighten that up a little bit. One thing we, we do with every single guest on the show is we finish with the five of the same questions, the gauntlet questions. The first one, Tony, is what's your favorite beer? I mean, I can be. It depends on what type of day it is. Like today, <laughs> I'm in I'm in L.A. right now. There's actually not a cloud in the sky. I'm probably going to head to the beach a little bit. Probably not drink, though. So, it, I mean, during this time, I'm really strict on my diet because, you know, the season's about to come up. But when I do drink a beer, it's Bud Light. Keeping it classy with the Bud Light. <laughs> make myself feel better when I drink. It's light. All right. <laughs> I like it. Hey, that's a respectable answer, man. Uh, what our yeah. sometimes co-host uh, is also a big Bud Light fan. So we, we get that. Uh, all right. Here's a, a, a fun one for you. What's the meanest tweet you've ever been sent? Oh, man. That's a tough one. People tweet mean at me every day because <laughs> unlike the other professional athletes, I actually respond and I don't care. Like I'll, I'll roast someone back if they roast me. So I think the probably the meanest was, I don't know if you guys remember when we played at West Virginia in college against Tavon Austin, he had like a field day against me, like broke records and broke my ankles. That was uh, one of the tweets I got. <laughs> they said, they said Tavon broke records, broke Tony's ankles, and broke his heart. <laughs> I'll never forget that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Love that you remember that one. <laughs> hey, no, you gotta look. If you haven't seen it, just go on YouTube. It's, it's uh, I'm gonna find Tavon it. Tavon <laughs> I was, oh, I just Tavon found it. Yeah. We will be sure to tweet it <laughs> oh, out. Don't worry. <laughs> he, he killed me. He killed oh. me that game. But to my defense. I had a high ankle sprain, all right, <laughs> and I, I had I had too much equipment on him. So he was also like probably the, the game most electric college football players in the last ten years. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why I didn't get drafted. They probably looked at that tape and was like, "Oh, yeah, let's not touch this guy." What's uh What's one game that none of your teammates in Arizona and maybe none of your teammates in Baltimore now will be able to beat you at? Whether it's are you Madden guy, FIFA? I know uh, you're a Madden guy. Unfortunately, bro, like. 2K. I play 2K a lot. I've played at least 20 of my teammates here in Baltimore, now in Baltimore, and I have not lost yet. <laughs> I, I honestly haven't lost in in 2K in like I'm not even lying, like a year. And I, oh I honestly God. don't even play it. I don't play it anymore because it's too easy. <laughs> like I like I wanted to contact 2K and see if I could like join one of their tournaments to win like 100 grand or something, but probably somewhere in my contract that's illegal so i say it's the nfl you can't arm wrestle you can't play 2k you can't do anything <laughs> fun man right. you're gonna get in trouble so. i know no i arm wrestle <laughs> can you talk about that actually it's not one of our gauntlet questions i forgot about that you were doing some arm wrestling right you all got in trouble i mean we're doing it for a good cause so i mean i don't know what the what like what happened with that but I mean, we're doing it for a good cause. That, the NFL that, for that happened. <laughs> so whatever. Classic happens, NFL. Happens. Yeah. All right. We'll yeah. we'll get back to the things that won't get you in trouble. Uh, if you were on a deserted <laughs> island, and and you're stuck with one girl on a deserted island, who would it be? You're trying to get me in trouble, but it's <laughs> uh, a tough one. It it would like five years ago it became Kardashian, but now. So that's really going to get you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, stay away from that one. But it'd be J-Lo. She's 47, but she's that's a great pick. just right. Yeah, she ages yeah. like wine. Yeah. <laughs> Last one of the gauntlet, and it, it could be the same answer here. One person you'd want to go to dinner with, dead or alive? I'd probably go to dinner with 
John Madden. Oh, I love that answer. That's a good one. I'd love to have a combo with John Madden. And that's, I mean, you're a big Raiders fan growing up, so that probably ties into that too, oh, right? Yeah. Like, so yeah, being oh, a Raiders yeah, fan, time. yeah, loving the game yeah. and and him as a coach. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, we yeah. will let you go. We appreciate your time and good luck this season. It's going to be it's going to be different watching right. you in that New Jersey, but you guys, you have a hell of a defense and a hell of a team coming together up there. Yeah, thank you, Tony. Yep. Appreciate Pretty it, man. Yeah, go go get you some twenty three jerseys. All right, <laughs> we'll do it, man. <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you for sticking, sticking with us this long on what has been a, a sticking, sticking to football for this long. It's been a draft on draft extravaganza, and we're not going to stop now. I'm looking at our, our rundown. We still have 10 more draft on draft questions. It's my favorite one. And the, the first question, uh, it, it, it will tell you why I didn't pop a top this week, which I always do. I'm, the question and I, I try to be low key about this other than Snapchat, but my friends challenged me to a, a 34 drink challenge because I, I've turned a 34 this week and it was 34 drinks in 34 hours, which sounds easy, but take into account <laughs> raising sleep, children, things like that. <laughs> well, I didn't do that this weekend. They were away. <laughs> so because that would not have that wouldn't have happened. I made it, though. I made it with like six hours to spare. So my the question from from uh, I don't even what is this? Jodiker. I think it's, it's Jodiker? his first name starts with a J and his last name's Odiker. So Jodiker. Ask him what the final drink count was. It was 34. And I stopped and was, uh, was driven home and immediately fell asleep. <laughs> it was it's harder to do than you think. No, we were blown away. I was talking to Jake about it at the office this week. And he was like, like not only that, the amount of different drinks you had, like Matt didn't just drink like 34 Bud Lights. And, like, maybe mix in a few gin and tonics. Like, if you saw a Snapchat, and make sure you say happy yeah. birthday to Matt on Thursday, everyone. It's a nice thing to do. I'm sure Twitter will remind you. He drank, like, 34 <laughs> yeah. like different cocktails besides some beers mixed in. I tried mixing it up because, you know, just thinking about logically. And so I ended the night at our go-to bar. And the bartender, we told her what was going on. And we're regulars there. And so she she really helped get those last 10 drinks in because I showed up there with 10 to go. And I think I ordered three beers and then was like, I cannot drink any more beer. Like my body can't handle more liquid. Like I got to. So we just went through the shot list and and my friends held my hand and got me over the finish line. So, hey, I would not recommend doing it. This is my like <laughs> Surgeon General's warning. Do not try to do it. Um, let me be the stupid one who experiments with these moronic challenges and maybe next year we'll get it sponsored it, it was great snapchat content though and to answer the question yeah like he said matt's final drink count for the weekend was 34 drinks yeah and i'm now detoxing for two weeks no alcohol during draft on draft with some water um, this next yeah. one from our guy that always brings it anthony mongolo in the modern age can non-super bowl winning quarterbacks be hall of famers a la philip rivers and eventually matt stafford well, the good thing is Stafford has plenty of time. I don't have a ton of faith in the Lions getting it done, but you never know. This is a really interesting question, and it's a it's a point that kind of bothers me because I, I man, I'm going to sound like a hater uh, right now. Philip Rivers is a way I don't want to say way better. He's a better quarterback, NFL quarterback than Eli Manning. No, I agree. And I bet you Eli gets in the Hall of Fame, and I bet you Rivers doesn't. It's the rings, man, and it's. You know, our it's buddy bullshit, though. Aaron Negler always says, you know, win win loss is not a quarterback stat, but that bullshit gets people in the Hall of Fame. And Eli yep. Manning will be in the Hall of Fame. I love Philip Rivers. I think he is a better NFL quarterback. I don't know about Matt Stafford. He's been inconsistent. Um, it, you know, I would say Rivers is the only non that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, the only guy without a ring who I would say feels like a lock. To, or, or on my list would be a lock. Um, let's. I, I kind of already jumped ahead in my mind to the next question, so I'm sorry. Anthony is one of our our uh, best uh, loyal every week. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Gavin asked maybe my favorite question of all time though. Who are your top three football guys of all time that you'd like to have a beer with? So this is similar to our gauntlet question we ask everyone. Yep. You know, which who would you want to go to dinner with? So Tony who, with a Tony with a great answer. Yeah, it was a great answer. But who would your three football guys be all time? So First I, off, I, I love the football guys. I'm assuming they could the be question. dead or alive there. All right, I'll tell you one of that has a little Homer in me, and not now because he he's kind of 
kind of crazy now, but back in his heyday would be Joe Namath. Oh, yeah. Because Broadway was like not only the coolest ever, but you know you're going to have a good time. You're not having one like, beer with Joe Namath, though. No, that's kind of the point, too, is that like <laughs> you're going to have like 15. Yeah. Joe Namath is definitely one. Joe Namath is the player answer for me. I listen when I saw that when I put this question in the doc today, I thought of John Madden. Oh, and I couldn't believe that was that was Tony's guy. Like when Tony and when Tony said that, I was like, all right, well, I can't say that. But I, I mean, I think you can. I'll tell you one that, uh, you know, only because I've been reading his book and I think he's just one of the smartest team builders with a set of balls, too. Is Ron Wolf? Yeah, that's a great answer, and and someone who's still alive. Um, you you got two guys on, or you sorry, sorry, all yeah, your I have guys a on there, so you still got a chance. Um, that would be a fun one, Ron Wolf, and he would probably be down for that too. So that's a great answer. I went with um, I went with Jerry Rice as my player answer, just because you know if people don't know I'm a huge or grew up a huge 49ers fan. I'm not as invested anymore. Um, and it was because of Jerry Rice, uh, you know, being a small town guy who went to a, a small college and, and overcame some odds to become one of the greatest of all time. I think he's kind of got a bad reputation now as like being like a sellout or you got the whole stick em thing. I wouldn't care. I would still want to hang out with Jerry Rice. And then I went with with two guys who I, I thought were great coaches, but also great team builders, Bill Walsh and Bill Belichick, because I would just I've read every book that I've ever found that was written about the two of them. I'm fascinated by, you know, how similar they are, how their brains work, how they build teams, how they look at offenses, how they look at defenses. So that would be a thing where I would like nurse a beer and like take notes to just try to get down everything they say. Yeah. Yeah. That's my argument for Ron Wolf. After reading his book, not only from a team building perspective, but from a culture building perspective, uh, those guys are just brilliant. The things they they can come into any company and change a culture. That's right. the way they are. They just understand how people work. And when you understand how people work, you could basically you could do almost anything in terms of corporations. So that was an awesome question from Nick Gavin. Uh, the next one, something we have definitely talked about a lot. This one from Austin Siebert. Is there any way Saquon Barkley isn't the number one running back selected in next year's draft? I don't think so. I, I really don't. And it's a year away. He could get hurt. I, I just don't see it. He's too dynamic. He's too explosive. He's too big. He's too good with the ball in his hands. So it's, you know, not to, to you know, kill the intrigue of the next nine or ten months, but I don't see any way Darius Geis or Mike Weber or any of the other list of running backs could top what he brings to the table. I will counter that and say I think Geis can pass him. I don't expect him to. I think when all said and done, I think Barkley will test better. Uh, I think he will completely check out all the, you know, intangibles, character. Everyone will love everything about him. Not saying that Geis won't do that, but with Barkley, it's just a sure thing. But I think Geis has the talent to pass him. But we got a long ways to go, so that's why they play the games. All right, uh, this one from Sean Fisher. What's your go-to drink in different situations? At home versus with friends, at a bar, Versus weddings. Matt, you are the expert on this after 34 of them this weekend. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if I'm like going out to a nice dinner, I always get an old fashioned. Uh, and I, I'm a, I like Maker's Mark old fashions better. So that's, that's a very important distinction. Um, if I'm at home, Boulevard Wheat, uh, always. Um, at a wedding, it, it just depends. Like weddings in Missouri, you're either getting all beer or nothing a lot of the time. So it's usually like Coors Light, Bud Light at weddings around here. I, I am a sucker in the summer for a good Moscow mule. Like it, yep. it, it's so hot here. It's so humid. You need something like refreshing. So a good Moscow mule is pretty tough to beat. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, for at home for me or even at the bar lately, I've been drinking for like the last two years now, pretty consistently I get Blue Point and I just finally tried their summer ale. It's a Long Island brewery. So East Coast from beer, but I mean, it's, it's really good. Weddings is tough because weddings, I find myself going into it and I'm like, I got to stick to something and, yeah. and I, you need I, something you can hold and dance with. Yeah. It's usually a cocktail. Uh, depends on the night. I can go tequila soda. I can go rum and diet. I can go gin and tonic. I sound like an alcoholic. Um, you know what we've started doing at the bar? Um, and I'll, I'll shout out Marshall, uh, Mello, who's not here this week. American honey and Diet Dr. Pepper. 
that's it, probably it's delicious. So good. It's like there's a little hint of vanilla in it. You got to yeah, be careful. Deli- that sounds delicious. It will sneak up on you. Uh, slam them down. Yeah. We have a, a bar here that does two for one happy hour as long as it's single pour. So you can do American honey, die dark pepper all night and and Uber home responsibly. That's the way to do it. Maybe some uh, pro athletes should take your advice on that one. One thing I will say, and people can give me as much flack as they want for this, at dinner, I'm a wine guy. 100%. I am too, yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's the best dinner drink. Uh, red, not white. So uh, that's the way to go. Oh, this one has... I've seen this debate on Twitter a lot. What school is truly DBU? What schools oh, would on. be the other positions? <laughs> this one from Sylvester Valderrama. I'm sitting in an office, and everything behind me is burnt orange. So I'm completely biased. I'm going to say Texas. I, I think you ain't DBU anymore. Quantity and quality, we still got it. Now Ohio State, <sighs> Ohio State's coming for us. Uh, I, all those first rounders. I know that you know uh, Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson would say LSU. I was going to say I, I'm an LSU guy. Still think it's Texas. Florida ain't ain't shabby lately. Florida. Florida's not bad. When it comes to other schools, it's it's harder because, you know, there's not a quarterback you. You know, like the most famous quarterbacks come from USC, but only one has made it in the NFL. Yeah, they all kind of Palmer. Yeah, um, you know, and there's I don't there's not like an offensive tackle you would be Texas A and M, but they they haven't really. You know, Jake Matthews has been okay, but they haven't lived up to the reputations yet. So it, I think that's harder. You know, I grew up in a day and age where Penn State was yes. linebacker you. Um, I don't know that that's you know still relevant. Yeah, it's, it's weird because like, I feel like Ohio State is like everything you anymore. Clemson would probably be wide receiver you if we were doing it right now, just because of Hopkins and Sammy Watkins and Martavis Bryant, Mike Williams, Deion Kane. It seems like for a while too, Notre Dame had the tight end you. Yeah, they it did. kind of be Stanford. Stanford. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Stanford, I always keep an eye on the interior offensive line every year. I feel like. Now, lately, I mean, obviously we were talking about Josh Garnett earlier, but, you know, we'll see. So, yeah, that can go a thousand different ways, that question, because it changes every year. The, the days of that is kind of over. Nobody really says, hey, I'm going to this school because they're linebacker you anymore or anything like that. That's true. Like ESPN and, and social media and everything has made it to where, yeah, it's not regional anymore either. So um, I, here's a question. This is going to be all you because I honestly do not know the answer to this. Ryan uh, at Browns Can't Draft, love that name, asked us, what city has the weirdest food specialty? I want to hear something more absurd than St. Louis pizza, which I've never heard of St. Louis pizza either. I, I know there's some NBA prospect who was saying that's a thing. Yes. I live like four hours from there, and I've never heard of that. Uh, um, I don't think it's a thing. I don't think it is either. Like, But I don't know. I don't know like weird food things because when I travel, I'm usually in a city for like two or three days. So, you know, if you're in the South, you eat barbecue, or if you're on the coast, you eat seafood. If you're in New York, you eat pizza, Italian food, things like that. So I know in San Francisco, when I was there last, the like Vietnamese food had really taken off, and I don't like Vietnamese food. So to me, that was a weird thing. Like, I don't want to go eat a $12 bowl of soup and noodles. I don't know, though. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't understand. I still don't get what St. Louis pizza is. I hope Jason Tatum was just fooling all of us. But um, I don't – honestly, I don't really have an answer. The weirdest – I mean, listen, when I travel, I know, like, what food to eat. Like, when I was down in New Orleans, I, I'll go get seafood. Same when we're in Mobile. And at, when I'm in L.A., I eat a ton of Mexican food. Oh, and when yeah. I'm in I, – I live in New York and New Jersey, I eat a ton of Italian food. That's what I know. Like, I don't really – and when I go out to you guys in the Midwest, obviously it's barbecue because I don't get that anywhere else. So I I can't answer something more absurd than St. Louis pizza. <laughs> yeah. God. You know what was ridiculous? Do you remember Rex Ryan's pizza when he got hired by the Bills? No, but I try oh to my. avoid all things Rex Ryan. Yeah, as you should. So Buffalo made him this pizza that said, like, welcome, Rex. It's a nightmare. If you're listening to this right now and you haven't seen it, just Google Rex Ryan pizza Oh, I mean, it's a. It's I imagine a it had to have it's like a, it's a visual buffalo wings on it and stuff like that. No, it didn't. Oh, <laughs> it should have. Yeah, you know, Rex would have. Huh, Rex Ryan. So, the, this one from Shane Merriman. 
What do you all think about super teams in the NBA? Does it help or hurt the game? This is something we touched on lightly, I believe, last week. Yeah, we did. Here's There's two takes for this from me, is that it hurts the NBA, the fans, and it helps the star players. So do I disagree or agree with it? I don't go either way. I think it sucks for the product. I think it sucks that, guess what? The Warriors are probably going to be playing the Cavs a year from now. Maybe the Celtics, if they make all these moves that they're talking about. Who knows? I don't count on that. It sucks for the fans, and it ruins the product. But do I blame Kevin Durant for wanting to go to Golden State, make a ton of money, play with Curry, Clay, Draymond, and win a championship? No. Not at all. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't, And I don't follow basketball, just like I said last week, but it, it, it doesn't bother me because I, I think that that's what the free market says can happen. You know, it's... That's that's the nature of that sport. We see it in baseball, too. Um, so I'm OK with it. I don't think it it hurts the game if you're like a, you know, a Hawks fan or a Magic fan or, a, you know, a, a team that's you know not trendy right now where all these superstars are going. But, you know, guys are also free agents, it seems like, every two years in the NBA. So it, I, I think there is some flexibility in that. But I. I I, like I said last week, I think the NBA is more popular now than it's been since Jordan retired. So it's it's obviously not hurting yeah. the sport because people are tuning in more than they ever have. But isn't it fascinating how fan and I get it to an extent, but how fans look at athletes' jobs so differently and try to tell them what they have to do? Like, oh, yeah. for instance, like if you were an accountant, this is the driest example I can use, and another accounting firm wanted you, and that firm has a better culture. And better coworkers, better more pay. talented people, just as equal or better pay with better perks and a chance to grow your career. Would you not go? It's like in sports media. Like if you were working, like I started out with my own website. It would be like when Bleacher Report came along and offered me money at a better platform being like, no, I'm going to stay here even though no one reads this shit and I'm not making yeah. any money. But because I believe in the underdog. Nope. Guess. See you guys. I'm going to see you like that's exactly. Yeah, it it is weird because with athletes, we expect we we hold athletes across the board to a higher standard than we hold ourselves with everything. You know, like uh, athlete gets in in any kind of trouble. It's oh man, he makes too much money to to be getting in trouble like that, you know, or going to a super team like these guys want to win a ring. Like that's what matters to them. That's why almost every professional athlete plays the game is to win. So I'm not going to fault Kevin Durant for wanting a ring to cement what has been a pretty amazing career so far. Exactly. But it does hurt the product, just to clarify that. This one from Charlie Wendt. Oh, man. Dexter Lawrence or Christian Wilkins, you can only pick one from that. that, Oh, man. Clemson's. Yeah, I've seen you say it already, man. I saw you say it like two weeks ago. That Clemson defensive line. It's the best of college. Ooh. It really is. Yeah. You have to tell him Farrell there as well. I was just going to say, can I say Farrell? Because yeah. I kind of want to. That's what I want to answer. I want to say neither of them. I'll take Farrell. I like Wilkins better of the two uh, because he's a little quicker. Like Dexter Lawrence is probably 340 pounds. So I, I think he's more of a, you know, a guy like a, like a snacks type D lineman who's going to, you know, clog everything up. And I think Wilkins is more of your penetrator more of that like Sheldon Rankins type. Uh, so I would go with more of a pass rusher. But Clellan Farrell, number 99 on the edge, is a treat to watch as well. So that whole D-line, I mean, they all look like first-rounders. Um, and, and Lawrence won't be eligible until 2019. I was going to say, but, we don't even know what Lawrence could be yet. That's the crazy right. thing. He could be the best of the three when you look at how good he was as a freshman. Yeah. But we just, uh, yeah, we'll see. But, man, yeah, I love watching Christian Wilkins play. Um, number 42. Um, and he disruptive. Is, he's disruptive as hell, that's for sure. Uh, let me hit you with a question here. Hardest team to coach in any of the Power 5 conferences? That's from Anthony Simone, our second-to-last question this week. Oof, God. Hardest team to coach. Now, does that mean, like, I just have to pick a, a recruiting disaster? Yeah, I think you said Baylor. Yeah. Well, Baylor, I wouldn't want to step into. I wouldn't want to go near right now. Yeah. That's a that's a dumpster fire. I will say it would be really tough to recruit right now in one of those poor Pac-12 schools. Oh yeah, like Arizona because State. you're not going to beat out UCLA, USC. 
even Oregon making a little bit Washington. of a comeback with recruiting, and Washington. Yeah. So if you're Washington State, you're Oregon State, man, like, yeah, it's tough to be a player. If you have it's state tough. The SEC, in, in the yeah, like the, we see good kids make it to the the lower SEC programs, or even you know, obviously the Big Ten's a little more spread out. But with the Pac-12, it's like, I don't, it's hard on the West Coast to get that kind of. T- I mean, look at Arizona State right now. Yeah, if we're not if we're not allowing Baylor in because of the mess there, I think it's Purdue. Like that's and I thought about that. How the hell to be honest do with you? That? How do you recruit against? Yeah, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Nebraska. And I know expectations are low, so maybe you could eke out some, you know, three and four win years, and you're not going to get fired. But man, I think Purdue would just be brutal to try to to build anything there. And and you're also close enough to Notre Dame that you got to deal with that as far as recruiting your own backyard. Yeah, that's hard. That's a and that's a good question because it it's so yeah. hard to answer. What would be the hardest to coach? And I look at it as a recruiting standpoint. You know, in terms of coachability, that's a whole nother, whole nother thing. Our final question, Matt. It's been a long day of draft on draft and a good one. So please, every week, keep sending these questions. Oh, yeah. They've been excellent. If we miss your question, leave it in an iTunes review because I promise you we will answer it if I see it in an iTunes review. Things get lost on Twitter. My mentions show me about 10% of the things I get <laughs> sent anymore. Adam Schefter doesn't see anything anymore. God bless him. I still see things, but not everything. The last question, this one from Mike Spencer, another guy that sends us great questions. This is a tough question to answer because it's it's tough to dig into all these guys so far, but is it me or a ton of small school quarterbacks intriguing this year? He would have Josh Allen on the list. He has Linehan from Idaho. He has Linton from Marshall. Oh, those are good ones. Yeah, and I think to answer his question, he's, he's right. There are a ton of smaller school quarterbacks that are intriguing and that will make the summer watch list. For me, I get to about 50 guys each summer, quarterback heavy. And, yeah, I would say more so than ever, smaller school quarterbacks are getting put on the map. I you know, I don't know if they're just undersized when they're recruits and they, they blossom into something that teams didn't expect. But, that it's, I mean, what's your breakdown of any of these guys? We know how you feel about Josh Allen, but these yeah. guys are going to start picking up traction. Yeah, they will. And Linehan, especially just because of, you know, his dad being Scott Linehan, that's to of that's course. help him out. I think one of the reasons that small school quarterbacks are, are able to succeed now is because the coaching is better than it's ever been before. You know, you can be at Wisconsin or Idaho or excuse me, you know, Wyoming or Idaho or Marshall or Western Kentucky or North Dakota State and get really good coaching. Uh, some of that is because of elite 11 camps and, and things like that over the summer. But I think the quarterback position has been coached really, really well right now um, to the specifics of an offense or a college scheme. But, you know, we're seeing guys be able to come from nowhere and really become good college or good NFL prospects or or even good NFL quarterbacks. So it's fun to see small school guys to where we're not just focusing on Michigan, USC, Penn State, UCLA, the schools like that. It it also makes it a little harder because – we're going to have to see those guys compete against, you know, uh, Josh Allen's different because Wyoming has a tough schedule, but, you know, Lenahan at Idaho isn't going to play a very tough schedule. So it, it also means you really got to do your due diligence to figure out if these guys have the tools to play in the NFL. But it, it is fun when you get a class of, you might, you know, maybe next year we might have 12 to 15 like draft, like draftable quarterbacks, which is pretty rare. Yeah, and I think going back to your point, I do think Linehan is the guy that jumps off out of his list if you're excluding Allen, just because he's been playing. He's been starting for three years now. So when you look yep. at him, of course, you know, starting his first year as a freshman, not the greatest year, low completion percentage, and obviously had more interceptions than touchdowns at a bad program. But when you look at what a guy is starting to grow and just his accuracy and his yards per attempt, and he's got size, you don't have to worry about that. He's not small or anything. He's six foot three, two fifteen. So it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on those guys. And I do agree, you know, with Mike Spencer that asked this question is that every year more and more so we're seeing smaller school quarterbacks get put on the map. And, you know, just to throw a curveball into this, Matt, do you think it's because these guys get more, I don't want to say more developing, but they stay for their whole careers and they stay in most of the time one system. It's like, and they're just, yeah. In March Madness, how like, the smaller schools will make it farther yes. than the tournaments because they've been together longer. Um, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're Lenahan, Idaho, you're staying all four years and you're probably playing three to four of those years. So your development is further along. That's a great point. 
Yeah, it's super interesting, and you, you see it with the, the March Madness guys. You know, a lot of those guys are second-round picks, those seniors, because the one-and-dones are always the premium picks. But in college football, I mean, obviously, and I'm not saying he played a ton of years, but just being there for so long, Carson Wentz yeah. a couple of years ago. I mean, Four years. The development, yeah, four years. What you learn, you come in at an older age. Now, you know, obviously, there's more upside when you come in as a 21-year-old quarterback rather than a 23-, 24-year-old quarterback, but they're just, they work out better. They look better, whether it's at the Senior Bowl, whether it's in interviews, more experience. It's a really ahead. interesting yeah. factor. And uh, look at Mason Rudolph, a guy that did decide to stay when he didn't have to. So maybe we'll see that work out for him. Maybe it won't. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun. Next year's quarterback class, we're gonna, we will be diving deep into that quarterback class early and often. That wraps up what might be a record-setting show for us in terms of length. So it, it's been fun. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys the same thing I ask you every week. Help us out by subscribing, downloading the show, rate and review us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter. We're almost to 3,000 followers. And I saw today we are up to 81 ratings. So we are getting close to that number 100. Like Connor said, you can leave questions for us in your review. We'll read it. We'll be able to we ask. read them. Yeah, we read them. So we'll be able to get to you on the show uh, if you leave your comments there. Also, let us know if you want to hear more or something, less of something. Hey, we're early in this. We're only show 11, so we're very open to your feedback. We want to thank you guys for hanging out. We will have a show next week. We know it's a holiday week, 4th of July. We'll have a short show for you guys coming out next Wednesday so we can keep things moving along. Episode 12 is going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for hanging out with us for one more week. We'll talk to you guys next time.